All right, guys. All right. Let's get back to our seats. I'll start start today a little apology. Uh, last week, I think I got kind of carried away. I didn't preach in like way longer than I intended to. So I've made some adjustments to make sure that doesn't happen today. So <laughs> we'll keep it, uh, keep it tight. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you would bless this time as we open your word. Pray that you would speak to us, speak to our hearts, change our lives. In your precious name we pray. And um, pray that you would meet with us here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if, you're, if uh, you were here last week, you know that we went through the first half of Jude. And by half, I mean like three quarters. And the second half is actually just a, a little quarter-length chunk. Um, but I'll give you a little recap of last week before we move into this week, just so in case you weren't here, you didn't know that uh, what, what we were talking about. Because this whole book is, it's an interesting book because, as we talked about last week, it references some weird stuff, um, some stuff that's even outside the Bible to make a point. But the point it's making is actually pretty clear, and it doesn't require a lot of interpretation. It's kind of like he's saying, hey, there's false teachers that have come into your church. That's a problem. You need to not listen to them, and you need to really, like, contend for the true faith as a Christian person. That's kind of it. So, like, that's the nutshell takeaway from this whole book is, like, watch out, there's false teachers among you. But he gets into a little more detail. And so, again, a little recap. Jude is one of Jesus' brothers. And by brothers, I don't mean, like, man, we're brothers, but, like, actually a biological brother of Jesus. You know, there are some people, if you go online and Google, they go, I don't think that's true. But most people agree that that's actually the case. Jude is Jesus' brother who grew up as in the same household, that kind of thing. Um, same as James, uh, also. These two uh, letters are written by Jesus' actual brothers, which is kind of interesting. And he's writing to a church in a general way. He's writing to a specific church about a problem, but it's written in a way that's not so specific. It's kind of for everyone. So they call it a general epistle, you know. And he's telling them that these false teachers are in their midst. They're teaching some bad stuff. And th essentially, the nutshell is that they were teaching that Kind of as long as you say or kind of claim faith in Jesus, it doesn't really matter how you live, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, well, whatever, you know. And he's like, this is horribly wrong and a problem. And you need to, and the, the phrase from last week was contend for the faith, you know, contending. And then to, to remind you that we had a definition, contending was a struggle to surmount something or to assert something as like a position in an argument. And some thoughts about this contending is that it's not a passive thing. This Christianity that we're a part of and this book is reminding us is not a passive thing that if you just sit back, it'll all just work out. That's not what he's laying out here. It's also necessary. He's saying if you don't do this, it's going to fail. This false stuff is going to take over. And it's also not automatic. So if you go, I don't know if I'm doing that, the answer is you're probably not. <laughs> okay? So it needs to be done. It's an active thing to do, and it takes an effort to do it. And so I wanted to... Um, so the message today is coming from the, like I said, it's the second half thematically, but it's really like the last little chunk. So it's verses 17 to 25. So we've gone through 1 to 17 or 1 to 16 last week, 17 to 25 today. Um, the first thing is him just kind of laying out that whole problem, the false teachers among you, what they're like, how God judges all of that, you know, um, themes of, of jealousy, greed, sexual immorality, all of these things lead to judgment. And also that they're false teachers, that they've slipped in. He says slipped in. So we've talked about in Matthew how they were like the sheep among 
or the not the sheep among wolves, a different thing, but like the uh, wolves in sheep's clothing, and uh, how they look like sheep, they sound like sheep, but they're actually wolves, and that's that's what he's kind of talking about. And so, the first chunk, the verse about contending, contend for the faith. That's what we're supposed to do, right? And now he's going to kind of talk about how do you do that. That's why these are kind of I broke them up into these two chunks, you know. So what is the problem, and now what are we going to kind of do about it? So the first one was contend for the faith. Again, an active word, not a passive word. You've got to do that. And then now, what do you do about it? And the, and the verse that sticks out is this build yourself up. So that we're going to call the title of this message is uh, build yourself up. But it's these two things that kind of go together. Uh, Jude uh, saying to contend for the faith, and now build yourself up. That's how we're going to contend for the faith. And I thought about using the title, Do You Even Lift, Bro?, but I've <laughs> I decided that since that's not actually in the Bible, we'll go back to the uh, um, build yourself up. So, but I do want you to think is a mental image this whole time. Um, this not passive thing. This is that the mindset is kind of reminding me of Rocky. You know, like this isn't just something that's going to happen. Like you remember, the, if you haven't watched Rocky, and I'm mostly referring to the first Rocky. Go ahead and put my slide up for visual. There we go. Um, and he's, like, drinking a bunch of eggs and stuff like that. Like, his focus on this fight is, like, everything. And it takes a huge amount of effort for him to accomplish what he's trying to do. Like I said, like, chugging eggs and all this kind of gross stuff. And the whole thing about running up the steps and, like, actually making it there without, like, collapsing. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's worth a watch. Um, the, the, the fourth one's no good. But um, the... Uh, the fifth one. Yeah, the fourth one's good. Yeah, sorry. The fourth one's where he fights the Russian dude. The fifth one is terrible, where he fights to get in the street. But the point is, this is the mindset we all need to have. It's not just this uh, thing you sit back and ride out, or it doesn't really matter in the rest of your life. So I'm going to get into that. But think Rocky. Contending for the faith and build yourself up. Do you even lift? You know, this kind of thing. Um, so let's just get straight into it. Verse 17. All right. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. So this is kind of the last little bit about these guys that we're talking about that are kind of in there. And he's talking about... This, this is another interesting thing to do. You can do on your own time if you want. There's a lot of similarities between this book of Jude and Second Peter. Like, they almost follow a lot. They use a lot of the same words. Even this word scoffers shows up. Like, in verses 3 and 4 in, Second Pe- in chapter 3 of Second Peter, uh, says this, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. I mean, this literally like, sounds exactly like what we just read. You know, They will say, Where is this coming, he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on. As it, as it has since the beginning of creation. And so, the first thing Paul is saying for us to do in this situation of the contending for the faith is to not be surprised that there are these false teacher people. You know, not only did he warn us, Jesus himself warned us, and all these apostles warned us. They're like, these guys are going to come around, you know. And I don't just mean warned metaphorically. I mean explicitly. Like, Peter is even, in Second Peter here, it's even saying like, they're the kind of mocking and scoffing they will do. Where is this second coming that Jesus said? Like, 
you know. And so we sh the first thing is to not be surprised by this. He also, again, kind of keeps defining what they're like. That these people, what they end up doing is dividing us against each other. And, he says, that they don't have the Spirit of God. So it's not something that we really need to totally fear. So don't be surprised about it. And realize this influence is divisive. And it causes us to fight with each other. And realize also that they're not being motivated by and they do not have the Spirit of God. So now, here we go to the building yourselves up. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Remember that whole other thing about, like, where's that coming, you know, from Second Peter? It's tying right into this. And this is really the core of this week, okay? Contend for the faith. How do I do that? Here's how you do it. So you build yourself up in contending for the holy faith, first off, um, by remembering the story of Jesus, okay? The gospel, the good news of who Jesus is. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. The second thing you do, praying in the Holy Spirit, which this includes, like, the deep petitions we have, and it also could include praying in tongues, as we just talked about, you know, a minute ago about this class that's coming up. This praying in the Holy Spirit, many of you think of, as I did, this first... The Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is a really good verse. Um, that's in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I'm going to read it again, because I didn't put it on the thing. Do not be anxious about anything. I mean, that's a pretty intense thing. Do not be anxious about anything. Does everybody hear that? And instead, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is this praying in the Holy Spirit thing that Jude is talking about. Being, communing with God about everything. All things. And the result is our anxiety leaves and the peace of God comes in. Okay? The next thing Jude says, keep ourselves in God's love. So this is an interesting thing. You might, you might, auto, might automatically go to like, well, nothing can separate me from the love of God, right? You know? And that's true. But there's this interesting thing about God loves us, but do we love him back? And what does that look like? And again, I'm going I'm to come back to this because this is the core of the whole thing. So I'm going to define it a little bit at the end. And then the last thing is wait on Jesus' return and this salvation that he's going to bring. So the four things in this whole thing, remember the story of Jesus, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love and in love with God, like understand it that way, and wait on Jesus to return. And then he now turns to, other people around us. That's for you. Now for the people around us. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Now, if you're reading along with me in a different translation, some translations break this into two groups of people. Some break it into three. This one I just read breaks it into three. It doesn't really matter. The point is the same either way. He's saying you need to care about these other people around you. And in the context of this whole thing being that there's false teachers around, right? So he's saying they're having an influence on people, and you need to care about that influence that they're having on people. But here's how to conduct yourself. 
go online and post a whole lot of really mean stuff about everybody, and then belittle and make fun of people who disagree with you. Is that what he says to do? No, it does not say to do that. He says to be merciful, first off. So if you remember last week in the introduction, when he's talking, this is Jude, I'm writing to you guys. He says this, um, uh, to those who have been called, he's talking, you know, remember the church, who are loved in God, the Father, and kept in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. So these themes, mercy, peace, and love, defining all these actions. And he's saying literally the mercy one right now. Like, to those who are doubting, who are under the influence of this false teaching, be merciful to them. That's the first group. The second group, then, he's talking about, or second and third, maybe, he's talking about um, to reach out to other people and snatch them from the fire. So he's putting this perspective. We'll, we'll treat these groups as kind of 2A and B, because maybe they are closer to the same group. That The first group, these are people that are just kind of confused by and under the influence of this thing. He's saying, like, hey, guys, wake up. You know, It's kind of like a wake up to this, the truth of this. This isn't true, like that kind of thing. And then to this other group... <laughs> It's saying this, it's a little more severe. It's like these people are further down into it. You know, maybe these are the teachers themselves. These are the kind of people that are starting to live in this way. It's like snatching them away from the fire. It's talking about the significance of the judgment that's coming against this type of behavior. And the reason it says be careful or the fear part of it is, is this fear of God's judgment against this type of thing. And so if I can explain it kind of mercifully caring about everyone, you know, and the, that this group, the snatching from the fire group, A and B, <laughs> is mercy mixed with fear. Fear not of what they're doing, okay? Not of what they're doing, okay? But about God's judgment against that. I think this is an important distinction here. Because you see like what Jesus did. Jesus did reach out to all sorts of people, you know, and he wasn't afraid of what they were doing, but he was afraid for them about the judgment of God against it. There's a difference there. And it's also about, like, trying to reach people, but, like, not going too far into that. Like, okay, so say you're a Christian person now. Maybe young people, this is, like, even more helpful for you guys. You go, like, I care about Jesus. I understand this stuff about Jesus. It really matters a lot to me, and I want to share it with my friends. And so I'm going to try to reach out to them and kind of be like them so that we're not, like, total weirdos when I'm talking about God, right? And you go, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. But how far into that do you do that before it starts to become a problem? So, you know, you can go places with people, but you can't go everywhere. You see what I'm saying? And there's things that you can't do. And he's saying, and I can't give you a list. Like, okay, guys, here's the typed up list for every possible social situation you're ever going to be in in your entire life. Just follow this. If then, go here, do this. You know, it's not like that. But the fear of the Lord needs to be there ever present. That like, your heart is to reach these people. It's not to be cool. So like, you know, like I, you know, it's not like, it's like, it's okay, man. Everybody's smoking weed. So I'm just smoking weed with them because that's, you know, I'm trying to reach them. It's like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And we do this kind of stuff all the time and think it's okay. This is why he's saying in fear here. He's like, the heart is right. Like, if you really actually want to reach people, yes. But if you're not, if you don't remember that fear part, you'll get, you'll, you'll be in the same spot that they're in, and you might slip in there accidentally. I'll explain a little more in a second. Let's read this last part. 
Some of yours will have a high, the title doxology above that. And you're like, what does that mean? It just means a praise to God. So he's closing this letter with a praise to God. And then we'll do some sum up. So to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, this is God, this is Jesus, and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. So Jude has just put this whole thing together saying, hey, I wanted to write you about our faith in Jesus, but i got to stop and write this other letter that I wasn't planning on writing about the influence that these false teachers are having in your midst. And they've polluted things, and they're taking people down a, a road that's bad for them, and it's a really big deal to God, and it should be a really big deal to you guys, and you're going to have to resist it. And you need to stand, building yourself up in faith, by focusing on the story of who Jesus is, praying in the Holy Spirit, and all these things, and then, and then reaching out to those around you to help them out of this mindset, this distorted mindset of what being a Christian person is. And let's end by praising Jesus that, he, that he's taken care of, that he's even given you this warning, right? It's a pretty simple message. That's the whole thing. But I don't want us to leave it without really getting a hold of this in our own lives. So I want to take a second to kind of walk back through a few things in that and try to break our minds out of the boxes that we stay in, okay? And I realize it's a holiday weekend, but I think this is an important thing. Um, our lives, our life foundation is Jesus. This is the whole thing about that doxology at the end. If you kind of read from the end backwards, you would see, like, the reason this all makes sense is because of that. Otherwise, it could just be a weird cult or something like that, you know, that other culty people have come in and said other culty things. We don't like them because they're different than us. Like, that's, you know, without the last Jesus part, who knows, you know? And so our whole foundation is Jesus. And we, and we as a Christian church have nothing to offer the world but that. It's not bad for us to do the food drive or, to, you know, any of these other things that we do to help people with. But if they're not built on that foundation, we're not really doing much. You see what I'm saying? The only true eternal thing we have to offer is this good news that we happen to know about who Jesus is and the Holy Spirit-empowered life that comes from that. That's it. And it's the exact same thing that every other church in the entire world has. We are no better or no worse than anybody else. It doesn't matter how famous it, these Christian people are or how unfamous they are or how underground they are. It's the same thing for everybody. And we're all a part of that group, the body of Christ. We're all a part of that. You're a part of it. Every single one of us is a part of it. And as a group, we're kind of a part of it too. And it's enough. We talked about all majesty, power, and authority. All majesty, power, and authority. These, these kinds of, I don't know if you're like me. I read over stuff like that. You're like, yeah, okay, got it. You know, all majesty, power, authority, amen. You know, sure. And it's kind of like, I get it. The switch is on that way. It's God. God's good, whatever. You know, it's, it's hard to really, for me, maybe not for you, if, if I just read those words and you're like, yes, that's it, and it touches my soul. And I'm, 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 in, I'm kind of jealous of you. But I get to where if you read the Bible a lot, you just kind of read over stuff. And you don't reflect on how deeply, how deep those words are. 
Is Kayla in here? Justin, come on up here. I don't know what song she's going to play at the end, but we're kind of closing, but I like the the music behind. All majesty, all power, and all authority in Jesus. And he's leaving us with a obligation to contend for the faith and to build ourselves up in that for that purpose, like Rocky. Because this true faith he's talking about is ultimate, right? It's the forgiveness of sins, being saved, you know, all the wrongs we've done, all the wrongs we've experienced. It deals with that. It deals with that. All the wrong things in the entire world, it deals with that. It's eternal life where there's no sickness, there's no pain. At the end of Revelation, you can read through this. What is this end? Where does this all go to? It goes to this eternal city where God is all in all, and there's no more crying and no more pain. And it's forever. It's the, it's the most important, biggest deal in the entire world. It's, it's all power. He's all power. Nothing can overpower him. There isn't a more powerful one. It isn't, that's where he's different than like Rocky. It's not like, oh, maybe he's going to lose. It doesn't work like that. There's things God just doesn't do because of his own reasoning or whatever, but there isn't anything that can overpower him. So it's not like, well, you know, that's Satan. He's got a lot of, you know, it doesn't work that way. And all authority, this is a big important one. See, authority, we think of it like, well, that's like the police or that's like the, you know, and it is. It is a government, like, you know, of his kingdom there will be no end, and it's a government, and it, you know. But think about it personally. Jesus' authority and his total authority means that only what he thinks about you and your life matters. Only what he thinks matters. So maybe you think, you know, maybe you're like one of these false teachers, and you think, I'm a really great guy, and you're not. Or, more likely nowadays, is you think you're some sort of rotten person that's hated, you know, <laughs> you hate yourself, so you assume God hates you. And he's like, no, I love you. And you don't even know what to do with that. Because you go, well, you can't love me because I'm unlovable. And he's like, I can do whatever I want. And I love you. And it doesn't go in, you know. And this is important in the world contending for this kind of faith in the church, in your family, and in yourselves. Because he gives us this measuring stick of the false teachers. Remember? And it was the gospel, the story of Jesus, and the fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruit of... Well, let's go through the gospel first. So the gospel, and I highly recommend, um, if you want kind of a fresh, freshening of your mind about the gospel the good news of who Jesus is. I really recommend a book by Scott McKnight called The King Jesus Gospel. It's a little technical sometimes, but it'll get you into what exactly is this story. And in that book, he talks about how the whole Bible is the gospel. It's that we ruined, God made a perfect place and we ruined it, and he starts a plan to redeem the thing. And it starts through Abraham, and it comes through this whole story through the people of Israel, and everything they go through, they don't skip it all. They wrote it all down, and it's in the book on purpose. It wasn't an accident. You go, well, some of it confuses me. That's fine, but read it and try to understand what's going on there because they're just like we are. 
people struggling with this idea. Like, we know who God is, and we know what God's like, but we also know what the world is like, and sometimes these things don't seem to match up. And we're also kind of meddling with it in the middle, you know. And it comes all the way to Jesus showing up, surprisingly, as we said a couple weeks ago, surprising everybody with this is the kingdom of God now, here, God with us, Emmanuel, and I'm changing everything. So the world is different now. And it leads ultimately to the end of the book of Revelation where he's like, behold, all things are new. That's the good news. That is not the script that people in the world have to work with. And it's not always just because they're bad. They just don't know a lot of them. Remember that merciful thing? A lot of people just don't know. But also the fruit. So false teachers, they have to hold on to this truth of who Jesus is. He's God in flesh, come to redeem the world. He's, he's all authority, all majesty, all power. If anybody says anything other than that, they're not talking about the gospel. And you've got to be, that's false teaching stuff, okay? But also the fruit. And by fruit, we don't mean followers or likes or popularity. We mean fruit like the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is this. And I, I know you know this. I'm just reading through it again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. I'll do it again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You could have zero likes and live that world, okay? It doesn't matter. Popular popularity is irrelevant in this conversation. It's, are you talking about the gospel and are... You, is your life living a reflection of this kind of thing? So, all that to say, you can pretend like you're doing all of that, and most people won't notice. And plenty of Christian leader people do that. And we may not be in a perspective to know this fruit part, okay? And this is kind of the warning about it. It's like, I'm not saying, well, don't listen to anybody on the online. I just told you to read a book by a guy you're never going to meet. You know what I mean? So, I mean, we have to, you know, reach out to each other. But the thing is that because something's popular doesn't mean that it's doing either one of these things. And it might actually be a good indication that it isn't. <laughs> but I, I really don't want to spend, I know this book is mostly written to, written to false teachers. A church that has false teachers among them, he's like, hey, get that out of there. You know what I mean? But I don't want us to just stop there because, like I said last week, you could go, well, I'm so glad that I'm not a teacher like you or Kevin, and you guys really need to worry about what this book is talking about, and I'm good because I'll do that contending, that building up myself thing, and I'll not listen to bad people or something. All right, let's move on to James. That's not what this book is about because if you're part of the church, you you are part of the sharing group. You have been sent by Jesus with this message, with this good news, okay? So all of this, don't just think about random people online. You're like, well, is he talking about Joel Osteen? No, I'm talking about you. You see what I'm saying? You need to watch out for yourself because there are, there's the idea of the, the false teaching slipping in through some other guy is kind of out here. Well, like, gosh, I'm glad I'm not that guy, the wolf in sheep's clothing, you know. But when it gets in your own head, it can slip into your own mind, to your own body. You could be accidentally even 
teaching this to your kids, to your own family, to those around you. Well, God did this, God did that, da-da-da. You know, when I get mad, I do these kinds of things that are inconsistent with what we were just reading. So I want us to end this whole thing thinking about ourselves, not because we're the center of the universe and not because we're the most important, but because I think that's where this rubber is going to meet the road, okay? Because that measuring stick that I told you, the gospel and the fruit of the Spirit, is the measuring stick for us. Like you say, am I following Jesus? They're like, well, let's talk about it. Do you believe this? Yes. Does your life reflect this? Maybe, maybe not, or whatever, you know? But here's the thing. We can be, in our culture, very caught up into the reason I think this book matters a lot to us particularly, okay? Because he's talking about false teachers that come in. They say, like, as long as you say or act the, or think the right things, it doesn't really matter how you act, right? So, like, well, I've prayed a sinner's prayer or something like that. So I'm a Christian, right? And we're like, do you live at all like a Christian person? We're like, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess. You know, and it's like, that, that's not an okay answer. You see what I'm saying? And that living as a Christian person doesn't earn your salvation. I'm not clear about that. But the point is that it comes from that. Or else it may not be there. That's, and remember the fire thing? That's a scary thing to think about. This measuring stick for ourselves. Because this knowledge we're talking about. Um, you're like, well, I know who Jesus is. The book of James, which we're about to get into, James 2.19, literally says this. You believe there is one God? Like, meaning about Jesus? You believe there is one God? We're like, yeah, I believe that. They're like, you believe there's one God? He's like, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So just saying, yeah, I understand who Jesus is, that knowledge in here, even demons have that. And you see that in the Gospels where Jesus casts demons out of people. And even the one where they go into the pigs, they like beg, please don't destroy us. They know who Jesus is. And sometimes with Paul, when they're walking around, there's like demon-possessed people saying like, why are you here, Paul, servant of God? They're like, Shh, be quiet. You're blowing our, you know. So like, you know, with this knowledge, we go, that's all I need. I've heard this thing. I've checked a box, so I'm good. So that whole revelation thing, I'll be, I'll be uh, you know, and it's like, doesn't matter anything else about what I'm doing down here, you know. It does. That's what this book is about. And it's a lot of what the book of James is about. And these are Jesus' brothers writing this stuff. It matters what you believe, and it matters how you live. And the reason I think we get stuck on this is because we don't just mean no, as in no, like the demons know. We mean no, like in your heart. You know, there's things I know about my wife because I know her not just in my head. You know, like, yeah, she says that all the time, or da-da-da-da, but like, you say, would your wife like this? And I go, yeah. Well, how do you know that? Because I know her. I'm not just saying I know it, you know, like we talked last week about Abraham Lincoln. You can know a lot about Abraham Lincoln, but you can't know him anymore because he's dead. You see what I'm saying? You can know a lot about Jesus, and you can know him, like actually know him. And this is what we're talking about. Knowledge in the, this knowledge is in the heart and in the head. And just so that we're clear about this, certainly when we talk about putting our faith in Jesus, this is a gift from God. I mean, there's plenty of verses in the Bible about this, that His salvation given to us is a gift. You know, Tim Keller puts it this way. Religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. So, like, I'll do the right things, then God will accept me. That's what religion says. 
Christianity says I'm accepted, therefore I obey. That's a big difference. I'll, we, so many of us, you naturally, if you're not contending, you naturally fall into this. I'm going to do the right thing so that God will accept me, and he won't accept me until I do that. That's not how it works. Jesus is saying, I do accept you, but when you realize what he's, what he's forgiving you of and what he's accepting of you, you do what he wants you to do. And that's kind of the missing piece to this whole thing. Because you might go, um, you might say, I don't understand why people in the Bible did the stuff they did. You know, and I, 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 being sure you're right about something in here isn't going to get you there to what these people went through. And what it can get you to, this is another scary side of things, is next Sunday is September 11th. And the guys that did all that stuff were sure they knew something. We know they were wrong, but they were sure they knew something. And through that knowledge they had, they did some terrible things because they knew they were right. You see the danger of that? What you think you know, what I think I know, can lead you just into it, not as probably big of a, but you can do just as bad things, right? That should be a warning to all of us. Not a, I'm glad I'm not like them. You can think you know things and be totally wrong and really mess up a lot of people's lives with that, including your own. The knowledge that we're talking about here is what James was talking about in the awe of God. It's what Jackson talked about a couple weeks ago when he prayed about the awe of God. And that's why when he says, build yourself up, he talks about know the gospel, the faith we have, the faith in Jesus. And we have at least four long books at the beginning of the New Testament that are the gospel. And there's a reason they go through all of it. There's a reason they emphasize most of them, the end where Jesus dies on the cross and is raised again as we're going to read this 1 Corinthians 15 to close this whole thing because that's the core of what Jesus was doing. But all of it is included. And when you read through those stories, you don't just pass by them because you've read them before. You let them change you with the awe of, who does this? Who does this? Take the minute to go, not, oh, I've just heard this story before, but like, why is he walking on water? Who does this? Why when he tells the, the, the storms to stop, they stop? Who does this? Why is he like healing people? What's he doing with that? And, it, and if you encounter God, if you encounter Jesus, you're shocked by it. Because who, who else is like this? The answer is no one. That's why we're here. <laughs> it's the, the good news is that Jesus is God. And if you don't get that kind of knowledge, you're not going to sit in prison like Paul and be like, guys, I, don't worry about me. And those other brothers are like, guys, I know I'm in prison, okay? I get it. But it's not a big deal. Like, God's even using this to further his kingdom. And it's kind of awesome. You don't think like that unless you have this kind of knowledge. Because this kind of knowledge isn't going to get you there. And you need it. We talked about encounter with God. You have to have it. You can't know your way in your head to this kind of place. And it's not going to come out the same for everyone. Just like it didn't back then. It never does. And it doesn't have to. That doesn't mean that you have to start spouting all this stuff all, all the time. Your life will change. And all of a sudden, all of that fruit of the Spirit will show up because the Holy Spirit is empowering you. Joseph Garlington, I remember a long time ago, I heard a message he was talking about, Bishop Joseph Garlington, and he was talking about worship. And he was talking about with Mary giving the alabaster jar and the whole thing and how expensive it was. And 
pouring it over Jesus' feet. And most people think that she had saved this thing because it's like women of that day had some stuff specially saved for their wedding. You know, this is like wedding stuff. She's like, who am I going to love more than him? You can't get there up here. And Paul being in prison and saying, it's just not a big deal to me anymore. I just don't care. That's not because they're super special people. They were just normal like us. Paul was, in fact, pretty, you know, we talked about this last week. He was killing Christian people. Pretty sure none of you have done that, you know. So, you know, he's like, I, I know I'm right. I'm serving God by killing these people or at least helping other people kill people. And Jesus is like, no, that's not it. You need to come over here. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And then through that, his transformation in his life, he writes a lot of the New Testament. That is normal Christian life. <laughs> and it's available to every single one of us here. They're not superheroes. They're in love with God. They're in love with Jesus. And so it's kind of like this. Nothing can separate you from the love of God except for maybe, maybe, if you'll forgive the language, yourself. I'm going to close this whole thing by reading, like I read last a uh, piece of this. I'm going to read more of it this week. 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul lays out, you know, that faith, that, you know, we need to contend for the faith, you know, like Rocky, the faith once delivered to the saints, and we need to pass it on to other people, which will require repackaging, and repackaging, and repackaging is every generation it needs to be repackaged. Like Jeff used to talk a lot about the content in the container. The content, the gospel, doesn't change. The container it comes in always changes culture to culture, from person to person, you know, and you have a way, a package that God wants to pour that content into for you to give it to other people. And it's not going to look like me. And it's, and thank God for that. You know, <laughs> it's not going to look like what Justin would say. And it's not going to look like what James would say. It's not going to look like what anybody else would do. God is counting on you. And there's people in your life, some people you may never fully understand the impact you're going to have on, that are waiting for God, for you to give that gift to them from God. And it doesn't have to forget all the pretense about it. Let God do the packaging. Stand up as I read this. This is 1 Corinthians 15, where he lays out the gospel all the way beginning to end. Verses 1 through 28. We'll close this book of Jude with this. That, Father, you would make us contenders for the faith and help us to build ourselves up into the knowledge of who you are in every way, in Jesus' name. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter and then the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me is not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. 
yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And those who, though, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be pitied, most, pit, most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as Adam, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who, long, who belong to him, then the end will come. And when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when he says everything has been put under him, it is clear he does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. Father, I pray that we would build our lives upon this truth, not just mentally assent to it, but live in such a way that, as Paul was saying, that's the foundation of our existence. All of our actions, all the ways we treat other people, the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about you, the way we think about the world, the way we talk about other people, the things we do when no one's looking, all of the things that we are involved in as people would reflect this transformational knowledge. Father, I pray that we would, in fact, be people who repent and turn to a life that's devoted to you. And Father, I pray that you would guide us in this time. And I pray that you'd work on us, Lord, and help us to be those who would contend for the faith and to build ourselves up. Jesus name. Amen. If you want to come forward, we have the the uh, altars are open and uh, you know, they're going to sing us lead us in a song. I want to stand in